It's the only wrestling podcast on earth with one of my favorite punk rock stars on, on the planet. This guy's back to touring. I can't wait to see him when he comes through Detroit. And I tell you what, wherever he's going to be, you better make sure you buy a ticket to watch this because that Lars Fredrickson over there is going to rock your mullets off your heads, folks. That's right. From Rancid, that's Lars. Lars, what's up, bud? Well, if there's any mullets in the audience, then I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is where I would introduce PD or all right, all all right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but those guys aren't here. Pete may show up a little bit later, but we have a super duper special guest. And uh, I guess I'll I'll set this up, but like I'm sitting at home one night and all of a sudden my t- Twitter starts blowing up. I'm like, what, what's going on? Because usually if your Twitter blows up, something bad happened to one of your co-hosts and people are, you know, I can't believe this, which has happened. Or you've said something dumb and I'm pretty good at that. And I'm looked through and I start seeing all these people talk about how uh, Johnny from Avenge Sevenfold and Tommy N started talking about our podcast on their stream. And I'm like, no way, this did not happen. So I subscribe, I jump in and lo and behold, after watching the replay, they talked about how much they love you, Lars. Ah, that's so nice. So, well, I mean, it's a, there's a mutual admiration, obviously. So, um, you know, because I'm a super fan of yours and I've enjoyed what you've done, whether it be in Europe, I've seen some of your European stuff and whatever, but I digress because Dennis normally takes the first question, but I have a million. So uh, please welcome our our man. What's his name, Dennis? What's his name? Malachi Black or Tommy End. He's got another one, but we're not even going to bring that one up. But Malachi, (laughs) can we call you Tommy on this podcast today? Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Tommy, thank you so much for making time out of your busy day to talk to two wrestling nerds like ourselves. Well, thank you for having me. When you started talking about the mullets, I was like, is he talking about me? Is he about to announce me with mullets? Do I attract, do I attract the mullet crowd? I'm you like, better, oh. because that's the majority of your audience, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the podcast ruined. There we go. Done. That's just all dislikes from right there now. Um, well, yeah, well, thank you for having me, guys. I, I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me. Yeah, because we did indeed have a, a big conversation. And the funny thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, every time uh, me and Johnny have spoken, um, fans always bring it up. Fans always bring this podcast up, and especially because me and him talk about music so much. And obviously, Lars, that's where, you know, you kind of come in a, you know, into the topic as well. Um, you know, they were kind of like, uh, oh, you guys should you know, uh, get with those guys. And then I was like, and then, and, and specifically Johnny was like, I would love to, cause he's a huge wrestling fan, of course. And I said like, well guys, let's, let's tweet them. Let's see what happens. And lo and behold, here we are. Here we are. It's beautiful. And thank you once again. And I'm going to lead off my first questioning is you getting into the wrestling business and me being yeah. naive and not knowing what the wrestling scene was like for you growing up in the Netherlands. Can yeah. you kind of walk me through about how it got on your radar, what you watched, how your, your like in wrestling grew, and what the, even the indie scene was like over there for you? Uh, pretty non-existent, to be honest. Um, like a lot of times people talk about like climbing over mountains to accomplish goals. We have to create the mountains first before we can kind of like get over them. Um, there was not really a wrestling scene in the Netherlands. Um, actually, funny enough, and I will send this to you guys because you will, you guys will appreciate this. My buddy Tangwa, who I started wrestling with back in the early 2000s, he made this um, five, six minute short, three part, four part series of all the Dutch people involved in professional wrestling from the, mm. from the 1800s to basically now going through like tank race and how much the, the Netherlands was involved in that. And that tells the story a lot better than I ever, ever could in terms of like the history of like uh, Dutch professional wrestling or Dutch wrestlers throughout the world or Dutch shoot fighters. Um, but from my perspective, I grew up watching New Japan wrestling and oh, wow. we, we had a channel called Eurosport. And uh, yeah. funny enough, the first glimpse of me ever catching anything wrestling related was when I was sitting on the couch with my dad and he was just flicking channels and, uh, and, and I saw Yokozuna and it just like, it stuck with me for a second. I was, I was clearly, I was very young and just that little brief moment 
kind of stuck with me and I don't know why it stuck with me, but it was something magical about that moment, something about that ring, something about him, something about, I think Ted DiBiase was involved as well. And it was like a three, four second thing because my father was flicking through channels and he just stuck with it for a second because it looks intriguing. You know, like Dutch people are very sober-minded. There's not a lot of wrestling exposure out there at all. Still to this day, it's a bit, you know, I will cover that. But, um, you know, like, like my, it stuck for a second. And then later on, um, we, we got New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I always watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, usually in the mornings, whenever we runs. And later on, we had WCW on a channel called RTL5. It was called WCW Match of the Week. And it was like a half-hour program um, co-hosted by a Dutch body, a female bodybuilder. I remember that vividly because I always thought she was such a cool host because she was like a very muscular individual and she was presenting this professional. She, she fit, she fit the wheel. She was perfect for that wheelhouse of like um, talking about professional wrestling. And um, later on, I realized that there was a thing that was called the WWF. I never, I never knew that because like even that image that I saw, I didn't realize it was WWF when I was watching at the time. And then obviously New Japan, WCW, and then I learned about the WBF and I don't, I think I was like 15, 16 when I watched my first ever uh, WB, WBF uh, pay-per-view uh, uh, event thing. And so I was never really exposed to like the grand scale of what we would now describe as sports entertainment that, you know, World Wrestling Entertainment um, presents. Um, there were there were like from from 1998 on there was a small promotion in the Netherlands called Freestyle Championship Wrestling that started hosting little shows. They traveled to train with Off of the Wild Samoan and they came back. A guy named Bas van Jussa, Bas van Kunder and Tom van Kunder, and they were basically the first two professional wrestlers from the Netherlands that were basically trained in a modern day era. And they started wrestling and they started doing promoting shows with people from Germany, and that's kind of how that ball started rolling. And then in around 2000. I started training in around 2002, June 18th. No, I'm saying that wrong. June 21st, 2002, I had my first match. So that's been a, it's been a minute. It's almost been 20 years. Well, you, you mentioned the, like the, you know, the kickboxing, the mixed martial arts, because you mm -hmm. think of most of the, most of the Dutch were K1 or, yeah. You know, a lot of those Japanese promotions and uh, Ernesto Hoost is if mm -hmm. I'm saying his name correctly. So, you know, you've probably seen a lot of that, probably heard a lot about that. What was your first experience watching professional wrestling in a live, a live event? What, did you go to one before you became a, a professional wrestler or was it just kind of like my first event was the one I wrestled? Yeah, pretty much. It was like uh, we started working or training with a company called DWF, Dutch Wrestling Federation. And they were the ones that were hosting a show. And back then we had to actually like pay to be on the show because it was just basically a bunch of dudes that were understaffed, underutilized, uh, trying to put on a show, trying to get the ball of professional wrestling rolling in the, in the Netherlands. So um, that was my first ever experience with a live event on a wrestling scale. Um, you know, like, and, and like, obviously, you know, you mentioned the kickboxing and stuff and, uh, Obviously, I have a pretty extensive martial arts background, and you know, you see that in my style, and you see the new stuff that I do. Um, but I always wanted to do martial arts because when I saw professional wrestling in the new, in the New Japan variant, I thought it was like, I thought I saw two people like competing, fighting. So I felt like, oh, I got to do that. So my my parents put me on judo and karate. And later on, as I'm realizing, obviously, that professional wrestling is a completely different thing, but has elements of uh, martial arts uh, and fighting and, 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 and stunts and, and, and theater combined into it, um, I switched over to like kickboxing and kickboxing in, a, in, a, in, a, in an Indonesian martial art form called Penchik Shilat were basically the two predominant styles of martial arts that I trained. And at age 15, 16, I got the opportunity uh, to train professional wrestling so I left that behind for a little bit and um, that's kind of how I always feel I represent my own country in my way because it is like you said like a lot of us are uh, trained in kickboxing or Muay Thai um, the, a lot of us have martial arts backgrounds because it's you know that soccer tennis and cycling is like the the, the, the big things back in the Netherlands that people watch 
I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I guess my next question were, was going to be, it's no secret you were a massive star in the indie circuit. You were mm-hmm. a big star up north. And now, once again, you're doing it again in another company in AEW. Uh, do you start hearing more from people from your country? Like, oh my gosh, you're getting me into it. Do you feel like, and this might be an egotistical question, and I don't mean it like this, but do you feel like you've you've changed wrestling for, for the Netherlands? Yes, but not in the sense of like, yes, I did. It's more like, it's, it's more, it's, it's more of a, you know, I, I am, I am the most successful Dutch professional wrestler that currently, and I hope someone exceeds me at some point. I hope someone far exceeds me at one point because that'd be great. But it has turned for, especially when I was in the WWE, it turned the, 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 you know, Dutch media uh, towards me. And I did a lot of Dutch media in terms of like interviews because, um, you know, this was kind of like unprecedented. We never had um, a wrestler in a modern day setting working for some something as big as World Wrestling Entertainment. And um, even when I would fly back to the Netherlands every once in a while, I would get invited to like do certain talk shows and, uh, you know, talk to certain newspapers and certain uh, magazines and stuff like that, because it was very rare that I would be in the Netherlands. So they would, they would try to make good use of it. So I think... The thing that I'm the most proud of is that a lot of the Dutch students now, um, you know, they'll they'll either send me a DM or they'll, you know, I'll see them training. Like my like again, my buddy Tango still teaches a lot of people. And watch, by the way, you would love Tango's style. You would love that dude. Cool. He has a he has a crimson uh, he has a uh, the crimson uh, uh, ghost mask as a, as a wrestling oh, mask. It's super cool. Wow. Yeah, he's, and he's been doing that since like the early 2000s. So like he's. He's like a he's like a legit dude, and it's 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 really cool. He does he does like a hybrid of like a British rule of sports with lucha libre. It's super cool to watch. Wow. He did uh, Michinoku Pro for a while too. He's super cool. Um, it, it's just cool to see that a lot of them are like asking Tango about me, and like you know whenever I go to the Netherlands, you know I like I try to share as much knowledge as I can. I try to answer as many questions as I can, and really establish that the Netherlands can have a future in professional wrestling because you know ne- next to me there, 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 there's still a few like a handful of Dutch wrestlers that definitely went places like a guy like Emil Satoshi and Tenko you know they went places um, you know and, and there's a lot of, a lot of the younger guys that wrestle in Germany and that wrestle in the United Kingdom so there's definitely some movement going on um, that I did not start but I did take charge in eventually and that's just the natural progression it was never like that I felt better or did things you know like that would push me through the front of the line I think we all just did what we did and my drive has always been like and I've said this a couple times to people like my I, I think in life sometimes people get hung up on on the environment that they're in. So I always try to tell people, you know, you got to think globally, not locally, because if you're constantly worried about this little small place that you're in and you're trying to control all that, you know, you're, you're not, you're not expanding yourself. If you just kind of like let all the shit just slide and go and, you know, keep focusing on where you want to go with it, or at least give yourself the idea of there are no boundaries to what I want to do. And the only boundaries that I will have are the ones that I will end with as soon as the journey is, is, is done, right? And I think that sometimes um, in, in the Dutch wrestling scene uh, is something that, I, that I've seen, you know, people getting stuck in one place and not like expanding their mind and like making sure that they can like progress and transcend. And I see a lot of that with, uh, I see a lot of the opposite now with the younger generation where they're like, you know, they're, 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 you know, they want to dream. And then when I think about going to the WB and they'll ask me, Hey, do you think that I can go to WB? Mike, why would you not, you know, like you're 16, 17 years old. You were about my age when you started wrestling. Why not? You know, and that's, and that's cool to see. That's, that's really cool to see. Well, you know, I've got an observation that's going to lead into the question because I've always seen you as a very well-rounded craftsman, if you would say, because you can see the different styles, you know what I mean? You can see where, you know, where when you were, I think I've I've seen a few clips of you in England and in Mm -hmm. Germany, I think. So you've been kind of all through the European style, which is a completely different style Mm -hmm. with the psychology, everything, you know, traditionally, but then you come to America, right? So the question, I guess, is, is, was there anybody, was there uh, somebody when you, when you, when you started wrestling in, in the States, 
that like sort of mentored you in any way? Yeah, Terry Taylor. Ah, same comes man. up a lot. Yeah, what's that? Well, I, oh, his name comes up a lot for people that uh, yeah. speak glowingly of him. I um, I I talk to Terry every week. Um, him and Paul Heyman basically put an arm around me and said. We'll take you, kid. And you know, well, that explains the psychology. Explain that explains the psychology. Okay. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, I always, you know, Terry was one of those people. Is one of those people, you know, like if I run into an up, like into something, and I'll run it past them, and he always knows how to ask me a question that I can't answer. <laughs> and that's and that's a good thing because he'll let me figure it out, and if I can't figure it out, he'll give me a perspective, and I think the perspective. Is the most important thing and now that i've been like i've been like you know like i've, I've, I've been uh, um at, at aw a couple times now like obviously you know still getting my feet in the ground and stuff like getting to know everyone and it, it's cool to see that a lot of the younger kids are like coming up to me and asking hey can you, you know check my match or like hey do, what, what do you think of this and you know they're running ideas by me and i can implement that same way that people taught me instead of like just giving them the answer you know, basically telling them, okay, but why are you doing this? And then go, and then you see the little light bulb go and they go, oh, oh, I never looked at it from that angle. And, yeah. you know, everything becomes a lot easier. And like, it's funny that, um, and, and, Terry, and Terry and Paul both always say that, you know, like, I feel like I have one foot because of them and the old school and with my style and like, you know, the, the, the era of wrestling that I'm growing up in or grew up in, I have one foot more in the modern style. So I'm always very appreciative of like, you know, those people like mentoring me, but the same goes for like Shawn Michaels, who has given me tons of perspective and even like, like, like Hunter and um, Robbie Brookside and like all the, oh, Robbie. Famous, yeah. Yeah. yeah I uh, bet Robbie's you and Robbie a, get along fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. <laughs> Me and Regal and Robbie used to be on a three-way text, and man, it, it, yeah. I, some of the shit I, I can't mention some of the things that were said. But oh, I believe Rob, it. Robbie's a, a a great dude and a huge punk punk rocker. Yeah. You know, so yep. sorry to interrupt. Yep. No, no, absolutely. And you mentioned William Regal, and I was at at um, I think about a year ago, and I've always I've always loved talking to Mister Regal, and every time I would go into performance, I would make sure that I would stay an extra hour, sometimes three hours, just to talk to him about things. And at one point we got to the, uh, we got to the point where he started talking to me about my pinfalls and it was such a small thing. And he's like, you're such a well-rounded guy. Why are your pinfalls so sloppy? And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, Hey, it's, it is what it is. Right. And, um, he, um, he invited me to come over and we just talked pinning opponents for like two hours straight. And that's, that's the beauty of it, because the longer you're in this, the more you're dissecting everything, and you understand that it's such an art form to do this, mm -hmm. and it's not as simple as just hooking a leg, and it's not as simple as, like, slapping on a hold and stuff like that, and I, I'm, I'm glad that I have those, uh, those tools uh, because of these kind of gentlemen in, 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 in my, you know, in my, in my box, which is um, something that I've definitely used to stand out, because you know, it's, 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 and it, it, this is one of those things that you'll hear uh, a lot of the older guys say, but like, once you understand it, you understand it. You know, it's not about the moves and it, but it's about the little detailing in between. It's about the little, the little wax coating that you like put on stuff and uh, uh, the little minute detailing that you do. And once you really grasp that, you start picking everything apart and you start thinking about all the little things that you can implement into your matches automatically that make it so much, so much better. And it's all the things that people don't naturally pick up on, but they do see it happen. So subconsciously they, they see what you're doing, but the translation, the detailing helps with the translation of what you're trying to do so much more. And it's, it's, it's because of, you know, gentlemen like Paul Heyman and Terry Taylor and Shawn Michaels and William Regal and Robbie Brookside and Norman Spiley. And I can go on and on and on that, that, that detailing became so good. Like it truly is like, it's it's like it's like a really good think tank and like oh yeah you know it's <laughs> it's 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 one of the it's definitely like that part has been one of my favorite things in my career those like six years that like five six years that I was able to uh, and still am to this day 
you know, be able to have that like wealth of knowledge, like readily available for me. And, you know, cause I only understand parts of what they understand, right. Because it's such a massive right. thing that like wrestling becomes. And it's, it's, it's just, it's very satisfying now that I'm 36 and I'm 21 years in that I can slowly but surely start giving people those little details and start teaching a little bit, not too much, you know, cause you, you know, it's, um, it, it, it can be overwhelming at times because it's, it, it can be so much, but it's just, um, it's a very satisfying feeling. That's what I've been able to do alongside of like working in such an incredible company as AW. And it really is an incredible company. Um, it's, 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 it's going, it's, how do I explain this? I feel, I feel so good being in aw i feel really really relaxed in a way that i haven't been able to relax for for quite a while yeah one of the things lars and i kind of geek out about talking to wrestlers about is character development you touched a little bit on that but whether it's the tommy end or the malachi or even his cousin alistair when did you start feeling comfortable in yourself to really get into being those characters because you're you're a guy that really looks the part and sure. i guess i'm gonna ask a side question to this is you know uh you see a lot more supernatural stuff in wrestling do you feel mm -hmm. like that would fit into your character the supernatural or do you feel like the base character we see now is is what he is i like implying things i think with me smoke and mirrors is better than the smoke if that makes sense. I don't want people to always think, is he or is he not? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, I say that wrong. I want people to think, is he or is he not? I would imply supernaturalism. I would imply um, certain things. Or is it just mind games? Is it just, is it just magic tricks? You know what I mean? Because I, I like setting that line. Um, I think around the time when I started going back to Japan, early 2000s, sorry, late 2000s, early 2010, 11-ish, 12-ish, with my tag partner, where we felt comfortable with taking stuff from our childhood that we grew up with and presenting it in the platform of professional wrestling and sticking it to our characters, right? Which was um, hardcore and occult things. And then for me also like stuff like black metal and like the, 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 the aesthetics of it. And when myself and my uh, tag partner at the time, Michael Dante created the Sumerian death squad, it was a, it was like a combination of other things. Cause like uh, back in Amsterdam, we had a group of friends that would go out and watch, you know, support local shows and everything. And we'd be like, you know, we go into the pit and so we call ourselves the Amsterdam mosh pit squads. And it was a stupid thing, of course, we were like 15, 16 at the time, but um, I had a, I have a profound love for like, uh, certain world religions and like the history of the earth and stuff. And one of the most fascinating things I always find is the Sumerian or like, you know, that, that, that's the Sumerian uh, theory of creation and just like Sumeria in general. So we just took these words and we kind of stuck them together, the Sumerian death squad, because they embody things that both me, me and him love, because he also has a very big fascination for it. But with that also came the occultism that we both really, really liked. So that was the first time where we can kind of combine and experiment all the things that we, that we liked. We could, we could create our own merchandise based on things that we liked. And then we had promoters, uh, especially like Mark Dallas from Insane Championship Wrestling. I said, Mark, look, I've got this idea. It might be very left-wing, but and I showed him pictures of me and Dante in complete suits, like, in front, like surrounded by like, 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 like torches and stuff like that. And I had this like, almost like 70s like cinema cults idea uh, uh behind it and he said like well dude you know go nuts try it out and that's kind of how it started rolling and we started like coming up with these like little promos that we did that we shot as like little movies um that like kind of took on a life of their own and that's kind of how we started creating all these things and once i got, I got more comfortable with that tommy and on its own turned way more into that and then once that kind of got some success, I started messing around with the idea of like, and we, I remember we shot this one promo where we pretended, and I, I don't know, this all sounds very far out, um, where, we where, where we pretended we, in we, we were invading someone's dream. And the promo came off so incredibly cool 
uh, with the layers that we put on top of it, it was the first time I kind of thought of the idea of like, well, what if, what if uh, the Tommy end character is possessed and that's how he's doing all this stuff, and, you know? And, and again, it starts, it, it, it sounds all this like really far out, but for some reason it started connecting with people and people started liking it. And then like WB kind of got, uh, got wind of it. And then the conversation between me and Regal started and then Hunter came down and it just, I don't know, like it took on a life on its own. And then I had a conversation with Hunter about what it was that I felt that on a surface level, you know, the Alistair Black character was, which was a much more elaborate version of the Tommy M character with a lot more bells and whistles. And, but also what I wanted him to represent to the fans, right? And always being a part of that, like alternative scene and being part of, um, you know, that, that, that those, those subcultures, I always wanted to be like, you know, like the bands that kids used when they were younger to rebel against, like, you know, the system and like, you know, their parents. And basically the idea was, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have this, this nine to five mentality to be successful. You can look how you want to look and you can still listen to what you want to listen. And you can still be successful no matter how you interpret your levels of success. There's no commodity to um, how success is determined it's only determined by your own boundaries and what you want to accomplish in life and that's something that i wanted to stick to the character and i think a lot of like you know a lot of those kids that felt that a lot of kids kind of went like well you know that's my guy and so the the, the character plus the motivation behind the character kind of started sticking together and it just kind of grew from 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 that way on and now with the with the malachi black character which is and and this is the thing right i I wanted to create something that was already there. It, it, it had to fit the wheelhouse. If I would have come out in a pink suit or like, you know, with a, with a clown wig or anything, people were like, wait, what? It would have been vague. And I wanted to like rectify a few things first. And I'm going to do that still with stuff that uh, I've always wanted to do with previous, with the previous installments of the character. I, I have so many ideas for this. And once that, that's established, I want to kind of like deviate from the norm a little bit and not turn it away from it. but give it a different direction but in order for me to do that i have to like put the put the put the bricks in first before we can people have to have a level of accustomed viewing to this character before i can go hey let's flip the switch on it well as a wrestling fan you know one of the things that that happened when i finally when you appeared on aaw and mm -hmm. bam you're there and i had this moment and i was like finally a place where he really fits mm -hmm. because i always saw you as a little bit more rough around the edges the big japan stuff mm -hmm. you got to be a little bit uh what would you say uh what do they call that uh not a renegade sure. and that's the way i've always kind of seen you and i'm i'm I, and i always like to try to keep the, the uh, everything positive here so sure. now with the door you know is kicked wide open and it seems like aew is a place where like you're talking about being so creative yeah and now that the shackles are are uh sort of off right mm -hmm. do you feel now is it is what's more important to you now because now that you're older in age and you've been in the business for 21 years is it that creative freedom or is it that paycheck creative freedom i don't care about money never have I've always been good with money too. I've been able to put both my parents in retirement. I've been able to help my brother with his house, um, make savings for my parents with my parents, put enough money to decide that I can live comfortably. I don't spend a lot of money, never have. Um, yeah, like for me, especially that creative outlet, because if it was about the money, um, you know, I would have said yes and amen to anything that was thrown at me, and I didn't. And I think that's also what ultimately, in a way, led to maybe a big part of the departure. Mm. You know, because there's only so much you're willing to do. And if you already have the mentality of like, you know, if it's not going to work out, and I said this in a different interview a couple, like a couple of days ago, um, if your mentality is already, well, this is the, this is the last stride and I'm going to give it. And if, if, I, if, if it's not going to work, then screw it, I'm going to do something else, right? So like money has never really been a motivation for me. Is it, is, is it, is it comfortable? Of course, at the end of the day, it's, it's also like we all have bills to pay. 
At the end of the day, we all want to, I want to put my kids through college. I want to make sure that I don't have to worry about like parts of the rest of my life. I want to be able to make sure that my house is paid off and all that stuff. And, but more importantly, so um, I want to, I want to retire from this business with peace of mind, knowing that I've done everything that I, that I could have done creatively. Right. Even if I, if everything comes crashing down, thundering down and it makes, it, it, it doesn't go anywhere. I want to die on my sword, not on someone else's sword. I, um, yeah. So yeah, you know, to give your, you know, to answer your question, creative freedom for me is much more important than any monetary uh, insert for me. Well, the reason why I asked that question is because, you know, you always hear wrestlers talk about, uh, you know, if you're not doing it for the paycheck, then you're not, you're an idiot or whatever. But I never saw that with certain guys. And when you're one of them, because it always seems like the creativity for you and express and that expression, like my, for myself. And I think it takes one to know one in a lot of ways. Sure. Like if I, if I wanted to do it for money, I would have quit a long time ago, but just so happened money came. It didn't, that, that, that was like, yeah, the side. that's a good way of putting it. It's a, the money came. That's a good way of putting it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but now that you're in this place, so, so the creative freedom, uh, you know, do you think that keeps a healthier locker room too? Do you think it keeps a healthier company? Like what, what, what I mean, you, you, I know you're new there, but I, from what I see is the open lines of communication with Tony is whatever keeps everyone saying. Tony is open for everything, wants to talk to everyone, has ideas for everyone and gives everyone a platform to express and create. And if you struggle, Tony's there to help you. And a lot of the other people are there to help you too. You know, we got people like Frankie Kazarian and like Christopher Daniels. We got, we got Billy Gunn. You know, there's so many of these like Jerry Lynn, freaking Jerry Lynn, you know what I mean? The uh, Dean Malenko. So there is, again, there is this wealth of knowledge that is there, that is there to help you. It's not like, you know, with where, where, where a lot of times with the WWE, I felt we got to come up with something. Come on, come on, guys. We got to come up with something. It's got to happen right now. This is what they want. Let's go. Right. I get it. I get it. You know, I mean, there's pressure. Sure. And, and, you know, there needs to be a level of pressure because you, you also need to like, you need to be able to withstand that. But mm -hmm. I feel here, it's also, a, it, it, here it's, hey, we're going to figure it out. We are going to figure it out. And, and, and they mean it. They are going to figure it out. And that's, that's in my opinion, is, is, is valuable. You know, because there's nothing more difficult than trying to figure out when you're involved with a platform the size of AEW. You, you want to have it figured out when you're there, right? You want to you be able to present this straight away to an audience. And not everybody has that. So people are, are given enough time and enough momentum and opportunity to go, hey, you know what? we're going to figure it out. And that is just very important because there's a lot of very valuable and exciting new talents to watch. Um, like, like I, th I think the, the, the one thing in wrestling is that it takes a long, long time to get good at this. And even, then, even when you think you have it, it's, it's kind of like aging, right? It's kind of like what life does. Like when you're 16, you think you know everything. And then you turn 18, you know, and you, and you know, you, you know, you, you, you know, you know, nothing. Then you're 20, 21, you think that you know everything. And then you're 25, you look back at the years, you go, I, I, nothing. Right. And it's the same with wrestling. Every time you think you get somewhere, someone will ask you a question or someone will give a perspective and you go, you know what? I know absolutely nothing of this. And, you know, so that can be very overwhelming and frustrating. And like, again, like I said, it can take a very, very long time for anyone to get really good at this. And it, it took a lot, it took a long time for me. Um, I wasn't a natural at this and I was frustrating because I've been a natural at everything that I've ever done. Athletic wise, I've always been good at sports. I've always been good. I pick up things real quick. This was the one thing that I didn't pick up quick at all. I'll say this to your point about Tony Khan. I had my <laughs> opportunity to talk to him at Slammiversary. I was there with mm -hmm. Petey. And I don't know how many companies you can really go to where after the show, the guys are hanging out in the hotel lobby and he's sitting there talking to me like I'm a nobody, but we're talking wrestling. I felt so bad. I'm like, listen, I know you're busy. I don't want to take up your time. Thank you. And like the more is hanging out there and you don't see that in many different companies anymore sure. where, you know, the, the decision makers are hanging out after the show with the guys just enjoying the moment. Yeah. 
and it's important for you know like and this is this is guesswork because obviously i don't know you know um but I, I i from from how i gauge tony it's important for him to also know the people that he's dealing with on a on, on multiple levels because you have to establish trust and i think this is one way for tony to establish trust um and uh like i said like every interaction i've had with him has been great um he comes across with a lot of things um i think a, a lot more a lot more thoughtful than people think and um very open to ideas and perspective because he is well aware that like this that, you know doing this they've only been doing it for two three years that this is all still relatively new for him and he has a business mind and he of course he has a massive love for wrestling but that's also why he surrounds himself with people that know wrestling as well so he can you know he can think and he can reflect ideas off and you know and i i think um i think any person any individual that comes into this business you 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 need that you need to always be open not only for criticism but you need to allow criticism and you need to have people to go look can you tell me this can you tell me that what do you think of this like um right now one of the things that I've been doing is like, I've been talking to Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts about like his promo work and stuff. Cause I just want to get inside his head with it. I want him to tell me, right. Um, 21 years in or not, that's Jake the Snake Roberts. You'd yeah. be an idiot not to talk to him about that stuff. Right. That's, that's what it's all about. And I think that a lot of these, a lot of the old timers, um, they have so much valuable information. They have such a great perspective on 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 wrestling they have they have so many things to tell you and i again i feel very fortunate to have yet landed in another company where people like that are around to help me because i am never above help i am never above asking i'm never above um getting feedback I, I love getting feedback because it's the one thing that has always made me better not once have i gotten feedback and, and went well that was pointless you know what i mean not once and Hey, you know what? And even if that comes comes across, you can go, okay, I can generally say that that doesn't help me. But now I know. You know what I mean? And there, there's there's something to learn in every every angle you twist it. You know what I mean? And it's just about learning how to see that knowledge, learning how to see that improvement, learning how to um, take that feedback. And even if the feedback is not something that you expect, okay, but then what can you take away from it? There's always something for it. Life. Yeah, you know, a wise man once told me that if you're the smartest one in the room, then you need to find another room, you know, mm -hmm. so, and I, it sounds like that, that there, you know, there's all, there's, there's so many places, different places, different people to go to, to learn and to pick up from, yep. and that's the environment there. So what was the biggest change from, um, for you to get used to? Like, I mean, you kind of walked into this place. Was it, did it take you a little while to kind of like, absorb what's happening or are you still absorbing like what's going I'm still on absorbing or? i'm still absorbing like i i i've i i come from um i come from dojo mentality so i was used to like sweeping mats and cleaning mm -hmm. cleaning dojos and all that stuff um that's always how i entered wrestling as well i always kept that principle that's why during training most of the times um i wasn't problematic I mean, I'm, I, I sure got my ass chewed out a couple of times. Uh, you know, you all do. Um, but I've always kept a level of like, you know, trying to be humble all the time. And one of the things that I find very important is that especially the younger guys see that I'm approachable and that you can absolutely talk to me about things and that the older guard sees that I'm willing to learn despite the things that I've done that I'm, that I'm still open for a lot of things. And I want the company to know that I'm there for them. You know, and I, I had a good conversation with um, some of the members of the, of the company. And, um, you know, in case it's important for me, and I did this, I did this in WV too. It's important for me to understand or for, for them to understand. I, I, I feel we are all colleagues from the ring crew to the lighting crew, to the sound crew, to the boys in the back, to the people behind the table, we're all part of the same team. I don't look at anyone 
higher, lower, or, you know, I mean, we're all the same. We're all there for one goal. And for me, that's always the important thing that people, that we're all equal. I find the, the aspect of equality very, very important. So I, um, you know, like I, I'm still slowly coming down on everything because it's, you know, it's a lot to absorb. Like I go from one place that I've spent half a decade dedicating myself to now having a complete switch with another company that I'm absolutely going to give every single thing to. Um, but it takes, it takes a while to get rid of that half a decade of, yeah, this is how we did it there. And now we're going to do it this way. And I'm still figuring, figuring that out. You know, I came in the first time and I was like, it was that actual, actual feeling, but it was really quick. Like everyone's like, no, no, you don't have to do that here. That's, that's, that's not how we do things. And, you know, every company does things their way. And that's the process for me that I find, I find difficult because I've always been a guy who's quiet. I've always been a person who's like, you know, there's no place. I'll, I'll be, I'll be over there. Um, you know, like I, I, I truly believe in earning my keep. I have always believed in earning my keep. I've always believed in um, starting from the bottom, despite who I am. Works with me, works against me, um, but it, it has, it has, it's given me levels of success, high levels of success. And if the formula is working, then might change the formula. You know what I mean? You know, you kind of, I guess, ushered in my next question was you were the hottest free agent out there. Uh, mm -hmm. You took your time signing. What, I, and I have to imagine, and you don't have to answer this question here, but I have to imagine every single company reached out to you. What was your, what were some of the checklists in your head and your decision-making skills on where to call home? I'll be completely honest with you. My the, the the day I got released, AEW popped into my head. I had so many friends there. Uh, one of the last conversations I had with John, rest in peace, um, was he said you'd love it here. It's like you have you would have so much you would have so much fun here. So that kind of always stuck with me. Um, cause you know, him and me would every, every once in a while would talk and, you know, there's been definitely been moments that I was very frustrated and I know he went through similar stuff. So I spoke to him about it a couple of times and, you know, telling me how, how great he felt and how, you know, relieved he felt. So that conversation stuck with me a lot. And then we, um, well, I got released. And so actually from day one, that was kind of the thought process. I know that there was like, there were like, there were multiple offers, conversations happening um, from different companies. Um, you know, I want one of the companies that I still want to do some stuff for, hopefully in the future is New Japan. That's definitely, that's definitely, because that's, that, that would make my circle complete, right? That's, that's what I was kind of raised on. That's why I, I always wanted to go to Japan. I was when I go to New Japan, so it's always been like you know one of my one of my ultimate goals. It's like one of the last few things on my checklist is like New Japan. Um, so let's hope in due time, like you know, some way somehow we can make that happen in the future. Um, man, I just I just I just want to have I just want to I, I just want to have something that means something, and I felt AW was the company that I could do that. I want I want to matter. You know, I want to mean, I want to mean something. I want to look back at this and go like, I did one thing right. At least, at least one thing I did right. At least one person is going to say, Tom, because of you, I became a wrestler. Because of what you did, that what you said there in that promo and what you did in that vignette, what you did in that match, that tournament. That was my moment, right? And I feel that when it comes to like modern day strikers, I definitely feel that I have a hand in that. I think that I definitely am someone who, in terms of like striking and how I innovated when I, when I looked at, you know, the guys like Eugene God and Hayabusa and even earlier day, like when I went, when, when Kenta first came around, right. Cause he was another one that really made me think about my style. Like, Oh, that's what I can also do with it. That's how I can like, you know, people like that make me think that way. And um, it was stuff like that, that 
I hope I inspire someone else to do that at one point. Well, guys, Petey Williams finally showed up to the podcast. It's been um, a minute, dude. How you been? <laughs> Good. Sorry. Uh, we'll talk <laughs> off air what happened. <laughs> now, Pete, before we continue, did you ever rest, wrestle Tommy? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think we ever. Very, very hard. We, we wrestled very, very hard. Uh, I never see. wrestled very hard, but oh, okay. I just make I just make it appear that I do, but I don't. No, <laughs> you don't remember. You don't remember Germany. We didn't work, did we? Well, I'm gonna did let you did. figure that one out. <laughs> I thought I, I worked this uh, like Shasta guy or something like that. Ooh. Shasta, Shasta. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, Isn't that a soft drink? I, I don't know. I don't Did know. The soft drink in Germany? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I bet Joy- you in Germany they would have still have Shasta. I, I and, and like tab and shit. I, I wrestled a soft drink in Germany. I guess. Yes. Um, That's how that went. That's what I'm referring to. The soft drink. Yeah. 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 I think we. I think we teamed against the soft drink in Germany. Yeah. That was a hundred. I'm glad you remembered. I'm yeah, glad I do. You I do. remember. Well, Pete, uh, jump in and ask a question because we're wrapping this up here in a few minutes. Uh, how is? How did it feel getting thrown off a roof? Uh, I I can't remember it because I died that day. Uh, but you know the magic of science and uh, medical science brought me back to life. Um, I, I I have seen the footage and uh, it looked awful. Of course, I made sure that my mom didn't watch it and my brother and my sister didn't watch it. Uh, my dad did watch it and he's still not over it. But hey, I got sprung back to life, so I guess uh, I'm like a cat. I've got I got <clears throat> I've got a few uh, lives left. Um, and all serious, know that that was uh, that was a fun day. That was a really really fun day. Shooting money in the bank like that it was a lot of fun. That was not. Um, <clears throat> I had my reservations on it when they first pitched it, but at the same time, I kind of went. I mean, it's, it was kind of one of those matches that, like, you know, we're in a pandemic. How else are we going to do this? We have the location, and it was pretty hilarious. Um, it will definitely go down as one of the more interesting uh, money in the banks that the WB has ever done. Um, but a lot of fun, a lot of fun during that um, d- during that day of shooting. A lot of a lot of laughs, uh, a lot of cold rooftops. And uh, a lot of people uh, coming up with very bizarre ideas, but fun ideas. It was definitely uh, like it's it's definitely one of my uh, one of my fonder memories um, in the WB. But also at the same time, it wasn't a day where a lot of people got released, so it kind of ties mm. bad and good things together. And it was also one of the first days that I ever saw Vince in in jeans. So that was also very interesting. Whoa, whoa! Please, yep. please do tell. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> think I think that's like seeing a unicorn pretty much yeah no he uh i i, I think it, it was it had something to do with just the fact that he had a really busy day and he felt that um he was a bit overworked and he felt like well you know i'm in my own environment so today i'm not going to be too uh and, i mean he's still you know it's still like always he's he, like you know he's always in his suit he always looks you know really really well uh, dressed up but he was wearing jeans and i wasn't expecting it i opened and said like uh, i remember going jeans sir it's like ah it's one of those days. So <laughs> everybody's Vince voice is this exact same thing. So yeah, but well, that's actually that's really how he talks. Wow. No, and we were just well, uh, De- Dennis and I were just uh, you know chilling with a, a mutual friend, uh, Josh Alexander, who speaks very highly of you. Like uh, I speak very highly of him. Yeah, uh, and you know talking about uh, you guys, you know I think working together like A A W and stuff, yeah. and yeah. and when you. Uh, came over and did PWG. So when you when you used to come over and do those loops or whatever, what mm-hmm. would you do? Like, you know, b- book a PWG show and then see who else wanted to book you for those weeks or something? Like um, that? I think they always kind of try to make it like collective. So, uh, you know, Danny would reach out and say, hey, are you going to be in the States or uh, do you have an interest in coming? And um, as soon as that happened, I think it was kind of like a chain link between a lot of promoters. A lot of times Gabe would bring me in and Gabe would mm-hmm. kind of throw the fish lines out and it was like, hey, I got Tommy coming in. Uh, who wants to use him? And that's kind of how all those uh, loops were. They've always like between three to three to six weeks and I'm always like a lot, a lot of fun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time uh, on the independent scene in the United States. It's always been, always been a, a great show. I always thought that US indie fans are awesome. 
Like they're they're great. I've always had a great time with them. And the, the last Let thing me. I want, well, I'm sorry. The last no, no, thing no, I please. want to know um, is so you know working with Kenta. I mean, that's kind of yeah. like a bucket list person yeah. for for me to work. You know, yeah. like what was it like? I I'm just like marking out like that. Like what was it like working with him? He broke uh, my nose in the first two minutes of the match. Yeah, so well, that, so that, I know that sucked. I mean, was that like no, that was like a super? No, it was an accident. Um, okay. So it's 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 one of those things like you know, and we 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 spoke not recently, but when he first kind of got let go, you know, like because like I have a lot of love for the guy. He's one of those dudes that inspired me to think about my style. Uh, very often, I think, I think I just spoke about that with uh, before you came on. I was, I think we literally just got into that. Like, he was one of those dudes that I watched, and because he also has a kickboxing like Muay Thai background, I always went, "Oh, so that's what I can do with my style too." You know, he really made me rethink my own style and kind of made me evolve um, how I could implement striking and how I could implement uh combinations and holds and like sweeps and teeps and stuff like that and um we had a one of my one of my cats is currently trying to take over the computer while we're having this conversation you can't go there listen okay one second i have to do that to pete all the time yeah get off my <laughs> so this oh, one hey, buddy. To, there we go it's you can't go there he's really excited big big pete fan Big PD fan. <laughs> Massive mark for PD. He's doing Canadian it's stories it. continuously. Like it's it's the it's it's the only pussy that gets excited for yeah, PD Williams. Pussy joke. Okay. Sorry, PD. It was that was a good no, one. Like, we set we set we, yeah, we set you up, bro. He, he but, just teed up the golf ball. I just swung. Okay. <laughs> but hi uh oh he's now fighting my other cat. Oh, this is great. Today they are they're, see major. see what you do pete you come on he gets all excited so beating up all the other cats it's can't catch a break work. This just transition moves to your kettle yeah. all right yeah <laughs> back to kenta um so and, and and like you know when he got really sweet we spoke a little bit and one of the things that i really would like is to compete against him in japan in his own setting that'd be not awesome. in a not in a wb orientated setting not that there was anything bad about it but i would like to see what him and me could do without that environment without mm. people giving us um cues or direction and basically just go what do we really want to do you know what i mean and i think that's that's something i want to have answered at some point and i think i think what he's doing and i think his work is phenomenal mm. i think it's great i think he's one of those dudes that that he's 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 one of those once in a generation kind of guys he is mm. um He's inspired a bunch of us, and uh, he definitely, like I said, he definitely inspired me. I, I, I think the world of him as, a, as, a, as an athlete, as a human being, as always, a great guy. Awesome, Lars. Wrestling fan for as long as I've I've been. Like you see, good debuts and you see bad debuts, and what I mean is the fitting of it. And it's like once I saw you in AEW, it was like, oh, he's arrived. Sure. Now, do you have do you have a sort of a sense of that right now? I mean, because it kind of feels like you're at a dawn of a new era for your career, for your character. You have all this freedom. I'm see very exciting because that's all people are talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, do you feel like you've kind of finally like found a, your spot? If that's an okay question to ask. I don't. I don't I, like. I think I think for what we have done, it's been successful, right? We 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 got in what we wanted to get in, and now hopefully we're going to get out. We want what we want to get out. You know, there's a plan, there's an idea, there's a thought, there's things that we want to do. But you're always gonna um, you're always gonna have to have to like take things one week at a time. You know, you can have you can have the best idea. But if the crowd's not taken to it, then the best idea is clearly not the best idea, right? Um, I think we're I think we're on our way to do something very cool. We've done something very very memorable. We've progressed what we wanted to progress. We've announced what we want to announce. How do we now proceed? How do we now continue? And the trick is to always keep people engaged, right? And this is also a different era. This like. Uh, you know, AW fans are not the same as the WB fan base. They're very different. You know, they're 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 very they're very smart. 
they clearly understand what's going on. Uh, so that's it, 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 it works in both our benefit, but it can also work against us. And that's the tricky thing. That's what we're figuring mm. out. I do feel, however, that I am in a very interesting position, especially with what we've done. Um, this is the first time that I can, in combination with people like, like, like Tony, I can create something that I have more control over than ever before on a stage like this. You know mm. what I mean? Like, and um, the ideas that I have for like entrance and, and gear and music and stuff like that, I have complete control over that now. And I hope that it translates the way I want it to translate. And I hope that um, I can create another thing that I can stick to this book of work that I've created over the last 20, 21 years that I can look back on and go like, you know, that chapter was successful. This chapter was successful. That chapter was successful. And that's what I care about. We have time for one more question a piece, and then we'll definitely promote what uh, your Twitch and all that stuff. Because sure. I'm really excited to hear about that. Uh, my question is, and, and usually when I was doing sports talk radio and we mm -hmm. sat down with an athlete, I always would ask them, what was your welcome to the major league moment? And for you as, as a wrestling fan slash wrestler, what was the moment you felt like you finally made it in the wrestling industry? Oh, that's a Two good thing. Thinking. Two things. When I got my first contract in Japan, and when I was finally able to pay all my bills from just my mm. wrestling income. <laughs> yes. And it sounds it sounds like you know it like again like and we just talked about the monetary stuff not being as important right but at the same time if you get to the level where you can go all my bills are paid i have some money extra i'm good and i did that all with my own hands right i created that and that's where i felt was a unprecedented level of success for me as tom the human being Tom the, Tom, the professional, Tom, the athlete, Tom, the, the son of my mother and my father. You know what I mean? That's, that's where I felt like inside of me where I was like, I did something. And I created that at the time. It was like, I was like 12, 13 years in or something. I was like, I did that. I made that happen in the next month as well. And then, you know, and then I kind of never went back on having to um, worry about that for a very long time. And that was a level of success where I was like, I am finally, because it also tells you how promoters see you. It tells you how fans see you. It tells you how the world of professional wrestling sees you, that you are valuable enough um, and respected enough that this is now the level that you have, that you can have that level of success where you can pay your bills with the thing that you love. So I, I guess my last question is, I mean, I, I followed uh, you heavily uh, like, you know, when, when you got signed by NXT and I thought like, man, this, the, the, what they were doing, I don't know how much hand you had in your character. Um, but I was like, man, this is, this is something unique. This is something different. This guy's going to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I followed the NXT once, you know, the, the, the call up and stuff. I, I, I kind of, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not you in particular. It's just in general, I just sure. feel like more people can shine, you know, doing NXT, just more freedom. I feel like, um, yeah. And Definitely then, you know, and I, I watch, you know, all the match, you had some really, uh, you know, big matches and like that take takeover and stuff. And I, mm -hmm. I could just feel like just knowing being a wrestler. I'm like, you guys had a lot of control over what you can do. It's almost like they said, Hey, here's your 25 minutes or whatever. Do whatever. Have the, have the match of your life. I feel like That's it was pretty very, much what it was. Yeah. Okay. Very loose. But so like, so you you win at NXT. I think it was like the New Orleans one. You yeah, win the belt correct. and stuff like that. Like, yeah. did you did you know like, hey, you're gonna be our guy down there? Like, how, when did you know that? When did they tell you like, okay, you're you're going over. You're gonna carry you know the company for mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah, was that something set up that you knew it was coming, or was that like day of show? Like, no. So I, I knew it was coming. I, like you know, like I had Terry Taylor was one of the people that like got yeah. it. Maybe spoke about it a little bit. And Terry already knew. He's like, look. It's my, it's my job right now to make you the guy. So I have, to, I have to talk to you to make you mentally understand what that means to be the guy. And mm. 
I, like I always look back at my NXT title a little bittersweet um, because I felt that, and this might sound strange, I felt that wasn't the right time because Johnny and Tommaso's feud was so hot. Mm, I right. felt that I felt there was always a level of intrigue with me that that could have passed through their feud and then made the call because uh, the 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 decision was eventually made to like okay so I became champion I had a mm, match with Lars Sullivan um, didn't like that match at all uh, for multiple reasons um, and then I lost it to Tommaso and I always kind of felt I was an interchangeable champion I was like. Because on merchandise, I did great. And I think that was one of the reasons, like, I was very popular. I did really good in merch. And I always felt that that was one of the reasons why I, I, I became a champion. Mm. Um, and sure, based on, based on level of popularity, based on skill, based on presentation, sure. All these things were there. But I felt that what Johnny and Tommaso were doing even for me, felt more important. It felt like it transcended the belt. And it clearly did because they were like main eventing and stuff. And kudos to them because they worked their asses up to do it. Like I will never, ever take anything away from those two. Those two have been two of my greatest proponents and opponents, you know, that I've had. And I have a lot of love and respect for both gentlemen. Um, but I always felt from a company standpoint, I wish that it would have started with them and then looped me into it. I felt that would have made it better but you know it's it is what it is i look back at the fact that i was an nxt champion with a lot of pride i i thought it was an honor to be picked to you know represent that part of the brand represent that part of the company and that again the world was ready enough for me to be the champion i thought that was crazy cool um before i got injured the plan was always for me to win the belt back again so I think that's also something that, that kind of like plays with me mentally where it's like, it was me and Tommaso, Tommaso takes it. Then it was apparently leading into me and Johnny for a while. And then it would loop into a three-way and where I would take the belt back again. And then it would loop to the point where I think it would have been me and Johnny. And I think the idea back then was that Johnny would take it from me and then it would go in between uh, Tommaso and Johnny and it would kind of take me out of the equation. So something like that. And that, don't pin me down on it completely. So, um, but that was partially but was what, what, what one of the ideas was. We were supposed to do a little bit of a dosey do with the belt between the three of us. And obviously I got injured. So that changed into me and Johnny specifically. Then it went back to me and Tommaso where we had the, one of my absolute favorite matches was my match against uh, uh, Tommaso where, I, uh, where he attacked my leg, which I still think is like from a, from a wrestling perspective is one of my smartest matches. Um, and then I got called up and then I had the tag match against the Raiders, which is probably my top five favorite matches of all time. In, in my top match. five, I love that match. I, I, I look back at that match. I remember, and I, I say this every single time I bring this up, um, me, me and Trevor, me and Ricochet at that moment were doing Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, plus all the live events, plus all the pay-per-views. We had one day off. I loved it. I came home. <laughs> I was wrecked, did my laundry, head out to the gym, texted, texted Trevor, said, hey, this, that, this, that. Okay, cool. We went right back. On the I felt so sharp. I felt I, you could have thrown anything at me at that point, and I would have just knocked it out the park and same with Trevor. And he still does that. I think he's a phenomenal athlete and me and him for the small amount of time that we spent together as a tag team, for some reason, it was really, it worked. It was really, yeah. you know, and then when we did that takeover before mania, that is the most comfortable I have ever felt in the wrestling ring. I remember having the time of my life in that ring. I didn't care about anything because we were in front of 13 to 16,000 people almost two, three days a week, um, all the live events. And we were just going, 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 having great matches against, against, against uh, you, know, uh, you know, at the time, the revival and stuff. And, you know, like I, I just felt sharp, man. I felt so, so damn sharp. So when we did that match, I felt so comfortable. The next time we had WrestleMania, I had no nerves. And that is, I think, for a wrestler, for an athlete, having that level of comfortability just shows in your work and it just shows what you're doing. And that's like, I, that goes down, those three months go down as my favorite three months in that company. Well, my last question, you know, I normally have, you know, throughout this 
interview, sometimes we find out like who your favorite wrestler is. And I normally would ask a question like, okay, well, you know, if you get, had a chance to get in with your favorite wrestler, what kind of match would it be? What would yeah. be the finish? But I got a different twist because I know you like black metal and <laughs> I'm a pagan myself. So me and you are going to go burn a church. Oh boy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's your job to get the, the third man because it's a three man crew. Okay. Oh man. And now who's holding the gasoline and who is holding the matches? And uh, so is it me or is it you? So come on, let's go. I'm chop, definitely chop. the one. I am definitely the one holding You've the matches. You got creative freedom. You want to hold the matches? There's I no seniority that. around here. <laughs> you got me lugging gasoline. <laughs> and I think who wants to wants to hold the matches. I think uh, I think. Uh, oh boy, why can't I come up with his name? Uh, frontman of the Shining. What's his name? I oh, can Jack never cousin. Was that Wait, the sh the movie or the band? No, 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 no. The band, Shining, the frontman of Shining. I wait. No, now now I'm gonna look. One second. Google it. I have to, because <laughs> he's. Uh, I think he's a he's a very um, he's an extreme person. Fair enough. Very very extreme person. Um, can hold the matches and the gasoline. Apparently, he'll he'll do, do all of it. He will do literally Let's everything. Oh. Um, Yes, Nicholas. Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas Cafort. Okay. Um, so he's, he's our uh, he's our road dog. He's our number three man. Yes. He. Uh, so is he uh, is is he driving the getaway car? Is he inverting the? No, process? he's like, literally what, he's he he's probably doing everything and then some. Like okay. I would what? I would probably even think that we he'd be like, nah, guys, stand back. Okay, so me and you are just we're, we're, we we just brought popcorn. I and think some I sodas. think if he had his had his way, we'd be we'd be collateral damage too. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I know look at i know by the looks of you and by the looks of me that ain't fucking gonna happen but, <laughs> but i will say that we would have soda cans there because we'd be watching the whole thing and then pd could have an impromptu wrestling wrestling match afterwards yeah with, with yeah with some soda yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. all right well soda. thanks for that <laughs> and i really appreciate the, the the fact that you took the time out for us it means absolutely, a lot absolutely man it's uh, wonderful to watch you tommy we, um, i appreciate it I have to put over your Twitch stream before you go. It's phenomenal. Sure. Love it. And listen, I'm not taking it <laughs> right now, but if you ever want to interview, interview Lars or Petey, I'm the guy I can make that happen for you. Oh, well, there we go. You, you, you're you selling them to me. There we go. We're going to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can find me on, uh, on, uh, on Twitch. We're changing the name, obviously, because my wife, it's under my wife's name, Theatrina, right now. And you can also find me on the Black Mass underscore official for my clothing brand. Uh, who you know they those boys twitch do and they 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 put a lot of time and effort into into their uh, twitch streams. I'll hop on there every once in a while. Um, but yeah, like I said, we're changing the name of uh, my wife's twitch channel to something that is a little bit more um, you know mid brand between her and me, just in case she whatever wants to come back or she can come back or. Um, but yeah, but yeah, thanks for having me, man. I I really appreciate you guys. It was. Uh, Definitely one of the fun, uh, one of the more fun, uh, fun podcasts to do uh, this way. I enjoy it when it's like professional to the point, but there's also a hint of um, relax, guy. It's going to be fine. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Well, for everybody at home, the podcast over, we're going to say our goodbyes off the air. It's this week's wrestling perspective with Tommy in. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Thank you for having me.